Hey, Kelly. How has your week been this week so far? It has been pretty interesting. So this week, the kids are on spring break, um, and so my daughter is home. Um, and yesterday, we decided to go inline skating at the Skateland oh, yeah? in Medina. Yes. When was the last time you did that? Um, About 25 years ago. Okay. So actually, it must be like riding a bike because I seriously had mad skills out there. <laughs> so I didn't fall. I didn't fall. I got lucky, but I was also very careful. So anyway, no, the, the kids are home this week. So um, it's been, we've, I've been having a lot of fun with my daughter. That's so, awesome. How about you? Oh, this week's great. Um, I had nagging. I think I'm getting sciatica in my left leg. From sitting at work all day. Oh my gosh. So, you know, you have, when you get it, it's that like tinging feeling, like someone's stabbing you in the leg. So, yep. right now it's fine. So, I've been stretching it, stretching my hamstrings, glutes, and all that stuff. So, hopefully in the next week or so, it'll go away. But you definitely feel it when you're just doing anything. I've had sciatica from the triathlon training. Mm -hmm. um, I got it on the, the right side of my body and my part of my leg would go numb. And I just, it's a really, it wasn't painful so much. I know some people say there's like shooting pains involved. Right. It wasn't painful so much. It's just very uncomfortable, strange feeling. And I really couldn't like generate a lot of power in, mm -hmm. through my right leg, which should be my stronger leg. Um, so I, I totally understand where you're coming from. It's a very uncomfortable feeling and the stretching and the rolling and stuff helped me a lot too. Yeah. So keep doing that stuff. Alrighty. So today we're going to be talking about redefining what is your healthy fitness, all that good stuff. Cause we all know that, um, you know, me and Kelly are two totally walks of life, you know, I'm in my twenties and Kelly's in her late seventies. <laughs> I was like, ooh, what's he going to say here? <laughs> Late 70s. <laughs> and um, so we really just kind of redefining what fitness is, you know, what, what the healthy lifestyle means. And, um, you know, from the elite athlete, you know, you have to be a certain percent of body fat. You have to be able to run a 40 time and, you know, whatever seconds it is. And obviously that is what they need to to be at right and then as far as just the average person what is that lifestyle for me um, generally it's just I want to be able to do things without pain without uh, getting out of breath very easily um, you know if if my son runs away I want to be able to catch him and you know spank him <laughs> or whatever right. unless he's you know running Ooh, away that's for not fun. very politically correct no, that's fine <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, we all have a different, uh, idea of what that is. And we're kind of kind of spell that out today, cover a couple different subjects as far as, you know, um, you know, about five or so aspects of what that is. Um, so Kelly, you know, being a woman, what would you consider at least starting with the fitness part is your definition of fitness? Well, you know, my, my definition of fitness has evolved over time. Um, I used to, I, I don't know. I started running for some reason at some point and, um, I, I sort of liked it and I decided to start sort of, uh, competing in some road rate or some road events or whatever, some five K's. Um, and I got a little bit into that and it was sort of fun and exciting. Um, and then I somehow decided that would be a great idea to do triathlons. And so if, you, if you're not familiar with triathlons, that is swim, bike, run. Um, and I did enjoy the competition part of that, um, but the training was pretty grueling. But that at, at that time, I was really focused on the endurance work because I needed to make sure that I could go the distance. Um, so the, the longest distance triathlon I did was the Olympic distance, and I'm probably going to botch the mileages here, but I want to say that the swim was almost a mile. Um, the bike was, I don't know, around 40 miles. And then the run was six miles. Okay. And now is that the farthest one? Is Olympic the hardest one? No. Okay. Um, there is half Ironman and then there's full Ironman. Okay. Do you know what the Ironman one? So the full, I, I don't know. I don't remember the half, but the full Ironman... Um, I think it's a two point some odd mile swim. Okay. So it's a long swim. Oh yeah. And if you've never done any swimming and it seems like two miles isn't that much, it's a lot. <laughs> um, and then the bike, I want to say the bike is like 
100 plus miles. Really? And then it's a marathon after that. Oh, so you're yeah, running 26.2. Oh, yeah. It's, and do they get that done usually in a day? Or yeah. Is that... I mean, the elite people, they can get it done. Um, I, I don't remember the um, like the record, but I think they can get it done in eight hours or less. Eight hours? Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about elite athletes, Oh, yeah. Though. I mean... So, I mean, it would take me like three days to do yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But at any rate, at that time, you know, I was really focused on being able to go the distance. So obviously I was really focused on the cardio. Um, I also used to be really focused on aesthetics and Mm -hmm. I, and I think you have sort of had the same experience. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of covered that in the last one. Right. And I mean, to some degree I still am because who doesn't want to look good? Well, yeah. You don't want to be fat. I think, well, well, you you can be fat, but you want to look in the mirror and I want to feel good. Yes. And when I look in the mirror, I want to be comfortable with the way, the way I look and I want to be comfortable in my clothes. Um, but, um, but now I would say that fitness to me, I, I came up with six different things and sort of I ordered them in, uh, in, in I ordered them um, by importance. And so the first is really it's it's exercise and fitness is about me first. Okay. So it's to keep myself sane and healthy because for me there's no denying that moving my body improves my cognition and my energy. If I skip a few workouts, I can definitely tell with my mood and my energy levels. Um, the second is to keep my body healthy and strong so that I can do the things that I love with my family. Um, we like to hike, we like to kayak, we like to travel, go camping, go fishing. And I can't do any of those things if I'm stuck on my couch or if I'm sick or if I'm weak or exhausted all the time. And I definitely know with the whole mood thing, that's huge for a lot of people. I know my brother-in-law, you said that he he started exercising he lost a bunch of weight and he and he got, does it even though he doesn't necessarily like running three miles a day he just does it because he makes it feel a hundred percent better right you know people who say that they're depressed i I've, I've struggled with depression in the past and so i totally understand how difficult it can be to to drag yourself off the couch to go and do a workout but when you are depressed or when you have no energy, it is the one thing that you actually need to do. It's yeah. the one thing that can almost guaranteed pull you out of that state. Right. Yeah. I mean, even um, I was listening to a podcast, YouTube video uh, a few months ago, and they said, you know, with the depression being rampant now, you know, yeah. they always want to, you know, subscribe antidepressants and all that stuff. If they would literally just go out. 10, 15 minutes of exercise, they would feel right. way better than, you know, taking all that crap. And I'm not a doctor, but I'm, I know just from personal experience working out, even if it's, you know, 20 minutes in the morning or whatever the case is that you can af- afford the time to do, um, you just feel way better getting it done, putting the work in. Right. And then, you know, at least for me, when I do it in the morning, my entire day is set up. I feel way better. Oh yeah. If I was to skip it. Absolutely. And I love the morning workout for that reason too, because it just sets your day on the right path. And so I, you know, I, it's like, it's difficult to do, but it's one of the best things that you can do when it comes to mood and energy and all that stuff. So, so the next thing that I had was, um, quality of life as I age, I want to be able to stand up out of a chair and take a gallon. And I, 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 a lot of people think it's weird that I would think about when I'm 80 or 90. 10 years away. <laughs> right, right. Only 10 years away for me. So, you know, I've really got to think about these things. But honestly, you know, I, I see, I saw it happen with my, with my grandfathers where the last 20 years of their life was spent in a chair in pain. Like they literally couldn't get up and lift, you know, they couldn't get up. They couldn't lift a gallon of milk mm-hmm. um, out of their refrigerator. And so, you know, I want to be able to hike up a mountain when I'm 80. Oh, right. You know, yeah. I, I don't, I, so for me, it's a huge quality of life thing. And if I'm going to live to 100, I want the last years of my life to where I'm still mobile and I can still do some of the things that I love to do. And what's crazy is that generation, wasn't that during the depression? Yeah. Yeah. You would think they would be in great shape just because they had to work it's a move it or lose it thing. So yeah. like both of my, my grandfathers more so one than the other, um, when they retired, they just kind of sat in the easy chair and they didn't really do much after they retired. And so you quickly lose mobility oh, yeah. if you stop moving your body. So yeah, I know my grandfather at 88, he was still 
you know, mowing the grass, doing some things around the house, stuff like that. I mean, he had some knee issues and stuff, but he was still mobile. He could do a lot of stuff, you know, maybe it's, that. It's amazing. What a difference. So my husband's parents are in their seventies. Neither one of them is taking any medications, really? which wow. is crazy. Most people their age in the modern world are taking eight or 10 or 12 different pills to manage their chronic right they're on nothing um his father still gets on like the roof and like roofing and i know i'm like it's insane but i look up to that and i think to myself you know i want to be that mobile when i'm that age and so that's just another thing that's important to me. So quality of life is big. Um, I, of course, want to set an example for my daughter because kids do what you do. Um, and if exercise and eating healthy is is normal is a normal thing in your household, then it'll be a normal progression of events for them too. I try not to be pushy because sometimes I can be because it's like I know too much. But I definitely try to model the behavior. Um, and I want to be able to do all of those things and still have a life. So I think it was what, maybe our last episode that we talked about how we both wanted like single digit body fat, right? Yeah. At one point in my life when I was like 15. But what it takes to achieve that is like insanity. I finally, at some point, I finally realized that most bodybuilders and fitness models, you know, and I'm looking at the cover of magazines and I'm aspiring to these fitness models, but you know, I'm looking at them and I, and I realize now that they probably, and I, I know some people would be like, oh no, that's not true, but they probably don't have a, much of a life outside of the gym and food prep. Yeah. I would say that's about all they do. Right. Yeah, I mean, some probably some modeling contracts on the side and right. some other things. But I know that, you know, there's a documentary on Netflix and they have a bunch of fitness guys talking about it. You know, they, I mean, they enjoy their life now, obviously, because, you know, they have the money to show for it. Right. But I mean, you know, when you're in your 20s, you know, you can't just not have a job unless this is right. really something you really want to do. Um, and I could see, you know... Unless you're, you know, in movies and that's what they want and you're getting paid a lot of money. Like right. Hugh Jackman got paid millions of dollars to do Wolverine. Right. To get to that point, I'd be right. like, I'd do that in an instant. But to just live your life like that all the time is just... I would need to make a lot of money to like give up a glass of wine with dinner and to have a little bit of ice cream every now and then. I mean, maybe even every day because for me... That's my life. I like to have a glass of wine with dinner. I like to have a little bit of ice cream after dinner. Um, and and thus far, I'm able to maintain a very healthy body. And, you know, I'm happy enough with the way that I look where it's like, okay, I'm enjoying my life. And I can still have the benefits of health. So, you know, and, and I think we could we probably could do an entire separate podcast about the difference between health and fitness. Oh, yeah. Because there's a huge difference between health and fitness. So I'm happy and healthy and I still get to live a life right now. And then my last reason, which is looks. Um, I see nothing wrong with exercising and eating well to look good. Because honestly, when you exercise and eat well for the right reasons, the aesthetic part is just a bonus. Um, it's a natural extension of making your body healthy, but a lot of people like to demonize the idea of, you know, like exercising to look good. And it, I honestly believe unless you're getting paid a lot of money, it shouldn't be your only reason to exercise and eat well, but it's kind of a nice bonus. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, everybody, like I said, everybody wants to look good. Yeah. I mean, good. Right. You want to kind of be comfortable fitting those jeans or that t-shirt and you know um i'll just give you kind of a story just on that part it was two years ago um we went to passover so if you don't know i'm jewish so i'm digging through my closet and i'm probably 280 whatever and i'm trying to find something that fits because nothing fit and my wife was like i felt so bad because nothing fit i'm like I'm fat. I can't fit into anything. <laughs> so I'm trying to find something that, you know, at least doesn't burst at the seams when I put it on. So and that 
And that was just a terrible feeling. I'm sure. Yeah, it's just, I don't, I mean, if I had to go through that again, or if I see someone go through that, I mean, I've been there, so I totally understand. I, you've probably been there at one I point. I have, and, and honestly, it's, it's, it's nice to hear it from a guy, because it's something that you typically hear from women, but that you don't ever really get the guy's side of that story, and that, you know, it's just as hard for guys in that situation as it is for women to to experience that, but yes, I think I think most of us have been there at one oh, point yeah, or another. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we were talking, you know, talking about uh, you know your ideal life. You know, kind of just telling off what you're looking. So personally, I know that just being fit for me is just being active with my son, my future kids. You know, being able to. You know, if they want to go play catch or football or do any of that kind of stuff, I want to be active enough to do that. And I know that growing up, you know, my dad would always, you know, play ball and do some stuff like that. And I just want to be able to do that for my kids because that's, I mean, that's all important part of growing up. Right. You know, you want to play, hey, dad, I want to go play some basketball. And if you're, you know, overweight, out of shape, and, you know, you can't sometimes do that, I mean, I couldn't right. imagine just feeling whatever that would be. You'd probably be somewhat depressed or disappointed in yourself. I think so. And maybe, you know, it's hopefully this and some other things we talk about, you know, kind of get you off the couch or wherever you're stuck at. Um, you know, we're not shaming you in any way, but some people just aren't there yet. And that's that's perfectly fine. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you, you do have to be there. Um, you have to get yourself emotionally there. And there is no shame in, in saying, hey, I'm just not ready to, you know, mobilize myself. But I have definitely found that, and I don't know if this is the same for guys, but I have found that if, if women won't do something for themselves, they will definitely do it for their kids. Yeah. And so, you know, so there can be different, different avenues of motivation. And like I said, for me, I'm actually really good at taking time for myself when I need it because I'm a complete spaz. You can, you guys can ask my husband. I'm a complete spaz if I don't take enough time for myself. And for me, that is taking time out to like go for a walk and usually move my body in some way. Right. Not necessarily formal workouts, but it's a huge part of my life and it's really important. And then, of course, there's all the bonus stuff of, you know, being able to continue doing the stuff with my daughter that I love to do. And I don't know, do you have any like hobbies that are really, you know, physical? I mean, do you guys go hiking or anything? Well, fortunately for me, my son is, how old is he? Almost a year and a half, so we don't have to worry about hiking anymore. Well, not yet. Not but yet. Hey, you know, I've seen some interesting things out on the tra- on the hiking trail. Some very brave parents. Ah, uh, yeah. We'll probably wait. <laughs> we until weren't he's that older. brave, but <laughs> you know, we'll probably do some like biking stuff. You know, right. obviously, um, you know, because they have those like side cards and stuff like that. Um, but I definitely know that me and Johanna have talked about um, just being more active, going to do stuff. You know, whether it's going to the zoo. Or, you know, hiking or doing anything like that. And I know that um, we both feel, you know, we want to kind of both enjoy life and then have him just enjoy to the fullest, whether yeah. whatever that is. And I know that, um, you know, getting out and doing stuff when he gets a little older will be definitely awesome. Because he has, oh my goodness, how many uncles? Four or five uncles. If I forget one, that's my fault. But... Uh, <laughs> And they're all they're all excited because we had a boy, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna do all this crazy stuff." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do." <laughs> but yeah, but we definitely want to be active and and just exploring a lot of things so that he can just kind of pick and choose what he wants to do, what he doesn't like to do. But yeah, that'll be just kind of future down the road. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we have kind of both of our you know fitness kind of the motivation behind that and going a little bit in depth about that now there's five components of physical fitness what is cardio respiratory endurance okay this is the ability of the body's circulatory and respiratory systems to supply fuel during physical activity so what does that mean in layman's terms all right from experience so if you hate running start off slow i hate running (laughs) <laughs> so what I did, I did about a half mile, um, started off, I don't remember what the speed was, we'll just say five, it's probably high, it's probably like three, um, do it as fast as I can, could, timed it, wrote it down, um, and I was trying to decrease that time every time. Okay. 
Are you doing this on a treadmill? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, do it on a treadmill. Ugh. Yeah, I don't like treadmills. Um, but that's basically what you're trying to do. You're trying to build up that endurance. Now, half a mile is not very long, so that may not fall, and that could be almost be a sprint for some people. I know uh, for myself, I do not do long distance at all. Um, I, I could probably run uh, a quarter of a mile and my legs be on fire, my lungs be burning, <laughs> can't breathe. Uh, but I definitely want to stress that it's, it's starting off slow, building up to that point. Um, and just to emphasize, I hate running. So I'm going to throw in my two cents here. Oh, God. <laughs> if you hate running... Like, don't do it. Oh, but it's amazing. Isn't there? <laughs> That's what everybody says. Um, I mean, is there any other kind of extra? Or like, what if you went outside and ran? Could, well, you, you, could, could you do that? Because it's way better. I would rather do it outside. Obviously, living where we live in Ohio, you cannot do that. Well, right. Well, you could if you're it's like pretty miserable. super hardcore and want to do that. My brother-in-law does it in the wintertime and he's crazy. Right. I'm not doing that. <laughs> So I still go for runs very occasionally, um, but my joints kind of hate me when I do it. Because she's 70. Right, because I'm 70. Um, and I honestly, I, I think I enjoyed running at some point, but then um, after all of the triathlon training, I think it really burned me out on running. So most of the time I just walk. And I think for a lot of people, one of the fastest ways to really hate exercise and never and decide never to do it again is to hate whatever form of exercise you've chosen to do. So like, there's no doubt that cardio is important, especially for heart health um, and for weight maintenance. There's, believe it or not, there are some studies that show that cardiovascular exercise is actually not helpful for weight loss because people tend to eat more when they exercise. It makes them hungry. Right, right after, so, yeah. Right. You have to be like aware of that so that you don't overeat when you do cardio if, you're, if your goal is weight loss. But exercise, cardiovascular ex exercise is definitely important for the maintenance. So whenever you do reach your ideal weight, it's really important to, to maintaining your weight doing cardio exercise. But mo for most people who are just looking for basic health benefits in maintaining a normal weight, a good old brisk walk is enough to get your heart rate where it needs to be for those health reasons. Um, also, like I, I, I try and quiz people on when it comes to cardiovascular exercise or exercise in general, like do you like group fitness or do you prefer to work out alone? Or, you know, what do you see yourself doing? So like other forms, cycling, dance classes, swimming, rowing, all of these things are great forms of cardiovascular exercise. And most of them are also low impact. Hiking is another one, you know, being outside, being active, kayaking, long distances, all of those things could count as cardio. And that could potentially be actually enjoyable, maybe. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, I do, however, though, I totally agree with you on a slow start because most people, they get like all, they get all this motivation right at the beginning and they go all out. Um, and so they decide they're going to like cycle or run or row for an hour. Yeah, and they get burnout. <laughs> yes. And not only is that monotonous and boring, I mean, like I said, unless you're outside, um, but you'll want to die if you haven't built up your endurance. Um, yeah, I've, I've done the whole 30-minute cardio session after, and it's the worst because you're it's like... horrible. Especially depending on what machine you're on. If you're on this, you know, a bike, okay, that's kind of easy because you're just laying back. If you're on the stair stepper, it is the miserable... Yeah. This thing. You're literally climbing stairs for 30 minutes. So like, die. here's what I have to do. So I, I have a studio in my house because I'm a, you know, I'm a fitness trainer. So I have a treadmill and I have um, a stationary cycle. And in the winter when I can't do workouts outside, walking or running or whatever, um, because that's what I prefer, I will, I will literally break my workout, like a 30 minute workout into five minute chunks and I'll switch back and forth from the bike to the treadmill. <laughs> and somehow that makes it easier. I'm like, I can do five minutes. I can do another five minutes. I can do this because I hate stationary exercise equipment that much that I have to break it up or I won't do so it. So you'd rather be outside doing something. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And I tell people to start with 10 minutes of whatever it is they choose to do and work up from there because even 10 minutes of cardio is shown to have health benefits. Um, so start there and keep in mind that it's also okay to break your 30 or 60 minute session into shorter segments interspersed throughout your day. There's actually an article I read. I'm not an article, but it's Stan Efforting. Um, what he does, and he's, you know, pretty good shape. He does 10 minutes after each meal and that's it. Yeah, actually. And right after a meal, I mean, that's like, that's huge. And most people would never guess. So if you do 10 minutes of walking right after a meal, it can lower your blood glucose in response to that meal by up to 40%. Oh wow. That's a lot. So in blood glucose it, that's what increases your insulin. And insulin is the hormone that causes your body to store calories, um, either, you know, in your muscles, so it can be used for muscle growth, but also as fat. So if you can bring your insulin down after a meal, you're going to store less of your calories as body fat. I mean, so that's huge. And yeah, again, it's, it's shown to potentially be more beneficial to spread your exercise out over the entire day instead of just lumping it into a single session. Again, that's not going to work for everybody. You got it. Everything counts though. So even if you can't, you don't feel like you can do the perfect program, do whatever you can. Right. So, so anyway, the next one is flexibility, right? Yeah. Flexibility. Yay. So this is a range (laughs) of motion around a joint. So basically touching your toes, scratching your back, all that kind of stuff. My flexibility is awful. Uh, you can actually test that. Remember we did the stretching thing I in school? I remember. <laughs> that was the most painful thing ever. Oh my gosh. Uh, basically the teacher stretched out my hamstrings and I, I could have cried cause it hurt so bad. <laughs> um, but my flexibility has always been bad. I don't know whether it's me being lazy and not stretching probably, or I just can't touch my toes unless I bend my knees. Um, but Definitely stretching is one of those things that you need to have. And whether that's, um, you know, static stretching and there's a bunch of different ones you can do. Even yoga is probably one of the probably more active stretching yes. techniques. Right, right. And I, I know I'm definitely going to start adding that into my program hopefully here in the next couple of weeks. Um, but uh, yeah, just stretching is going to help with a lot of things. Mobility, it's going to help you know push the nutrients into your muscles and stuff like that. After. Well, and like you, when you do like these harder, if you, you're doing a lot of cardio or a lot of weight training, or if you're sitting a lot, I mean, you're experiencing sciatica. So stretching is stretching and foam rolling and, and getting the joint mobility is probably going to help that more than anything else you could do. Right. But I totally get it because I... I really hate stretching too. Now, what what type do you use usually when what? You, when you stretch? Because I I've been using this. Um, so I do some static stuff for my hamstrings because they're just naturally tight. But have you used that gusha tool? It's like a rock thing that you like rub across your body. Have you seen that online? Is it like the the stick? Is it like it's a rolling kind of like a kind of like a stick, but it's basically this weird shaped rock. And you, all you do is you scrape it, and it basically breaks up the blood capillaries if there's any damage. Oh. And actually, so say if I damage my bicep, and I'm using this, and you, you don't put a lot of pressure on it. It's about, you know, like when you're feeling for a peach, that kind of, that. Right, okay. And you do it on your, you scrape it across your bicep. If there's damage there, it'll actually turn, bru- almost bruise. Huh. And that's basically getting all that goop out of there. To where it actually will heal that spot. I don't know if you've heard of that or not. I haven't heard of it per se, but I think my chiropractor did something like that on me one time. Okay. Like on my back because I was having an issue and it did, it was like my skin was really red and it was bruised, but it really did help. Oh yeah. So no, I I do static stretching. um, I do foam rolling and um, I just, I bought this thing called a Theragun. Okay. And it's like... Does it punch you? It does. Okay, that's what I thought. And it's, so. it's amazing. It is amazing. And I can't remember like what it is about, the, but the super fast pounding on your muscles, it gets the adhesions to just sort of release out of the muscles. Really? Yes. And I, and I love it. So 
I'm more likely to do stuff like that, like self-massage or even scheduling. I try and schedule once monthly massages. Is that because, do you like that gun because it's quick? Yes, it's quick. I feel like, I also feel like it's really doing something. Whereas with stretching, you have like static stretching, you have to be so consistent doing it almost every day Mm -hmm. to see any real result from that. And it just, I find it so monotonous. And I think it's funny to note though, that most of us want to do the things that we're good at, right? So I notice that people who are naturally flexible, they tend to gravitate toward things like stretching and yoga. Whereas uh, when they actually probably usually need more strength work because they're, you can be too flexible. Oh yeah. It's possible to be too flexible. For me, it's the opposite. I love strength work. I love lifting heavy shit. Um, my muscles are super strong, but I'm also, I'm like super tight. And so I know that what I need is like yoga classes or stretching, but I just, I'm fine because I'm not good at those things. I find it really hard to stay committed. So if you could pay someone just to do it for you and just lay there, you would do that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm the same boat. <laughs> Just or knock massage. me out and just stretch me. Exactly. Knock me out and stretch if I me. could afford to get a deep tissue massage like three times a week, that would be fantastic. I did get a de- I don't remember if it was deep tissue or not, but me and my wife went for a couple's massage when we got married and they did my calves and mm-hmm. that hurt so bad. Yes. Oh my gosh. I yes. wanted to kick this lady in the face. <laughs> it hurt so bad. I was like, oh, this ain't going to be that bad. I'm like, oh. I had an adhesion in my calf muscle that was actually caused. It was actually connected to my sciatica. It was really weird. Okay. But my chiropractor worked on it with something similar to the Theragun. Okay. I was in tears on this table because it hurt so bad, but it was amazing the effect that it had afterwards. I mean, I felt like a million bucks. Great. So I think the next one we're, we're talking about, we're on number three, if, if you're kind of following along, is muscular endurance, okay? That is just basically, we'll just use layman's terms is the easiest thing, doing something without fatigue for a long period of time. So if that's doing squats, 100 squats and not, and not really feeling anything, that would consider that mus- muscular endurance. Um, that also goes for running as well because that's kind of the same boat. Um, so rep ranges vary. Usually kind of the standard is what, 12 or more or 15 or more is kind of the gold standard most people go by. Right. Um, so that would be a great place to start, just 15 or more if you're trying to build your endurance. Um, now what I do at the gym, I do this, I do at the gym once a week, I will do 50 reps of say three exercises, a hundred of another, and then I break it up. I don't do all 50 at one time because I'm not going to be able to do 50 leg extensions at 90 pounds. Right. Well, I could probably do I it. I was like, wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, I could probably do it, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be in a very good mood just because, <laughs> right. you know, from doing anything, all that lactic acid buildup is just painful. Right. Um, so that's what I do. I do 50, 50 reps of those things, you know, a hundred squats, um, that kind of stuff. It's just kind of like burning out, trying to get my muscular endurance a little bit better. Um, Cause that's going to help you on all the other lifts anyways, eventually right. down the road. Um, and when you do these, if you do decide to do the, they're very light. So it's not going to be, you know, say if you're one rep max, just for an example on the bench press is 225. That's not using 200 for 25 reps. Right. Right. It might be 135. It's, it's usually about 50% of what your one rep max is going to be. Um, so that's kind of what I do. I don't necessarily do the bench press. I do a couple different things. Um, but basically, it's just to have that lactic acid kind of flush out faster right. so that you don't get that burn. I do something similar, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit on the next point, which would be muscular strength. I do something sort of similar to that where um, – Two of my lift days are really heavy, but then the third one is more of like I do body weight stuff, but it's it's much higher repetition work. Is it faster intensity yes, wise? Yes, yes, and it, I like that's the workout that makes me sweat um, because I'm doing everything faster. Um, it's more reps, and so 
Um, so yeah, but most people actually don't realize that there's more than one kind of muscle fiber in the body. And so there's fibers that are called slow twitch, which are the endurance muscle fibers, which help you go long distances. Or those could also be considered maybe the ones that could, you know, if you're using a lightweight, are gonna help you, you know, do like 15, 20, 30, however many reps you're doing. So um, they help us move long distances and they burn fuel slowly. Um, people who have a higher percentage of the slow twitch fibers, they tend to be better at endurance type sports. So like running marathons or, you know, whatever. Um, then there's the fast twitch fibers, which usually, um, which use fuel very quickly to, to apply a lot of force. And so these, and I think we're going to get into that next, which is the muscular strength. These muscle fibers are recruited when you need to lift something really heavy or when you need to like run really fast, like sprint. Um, but these muscle fibers tire really, really quickly. So if you are squatting 200 pounds, I mean, you're not going to be able to do that. I mean, maybe some people could, but you're not gonna be able to do that 15 or 20 times because your muscle, the, those fast twitch muscle fibers, they just, you can't do it. And do they do the different muscle fibers use different energy systems too? Usually they do. Um, so the the slow twitch. Um, I'm probably gonna botch this. The slow twitch. Are you are you familiar with this? A little bit, I think. Well, let's just let's just maybe not worry about what it uses, like carbs or fats or anything, because it everything uses everything. Right. And it's not it's not gonna be just one or the other. Let's say. Um, as far as oxygen consumption, you know that slow twitch is going to use it a lot more. Yes. And so they tend to call the the slow twitch ones, which are your endurance fibers, the, the more the fat burning. Mm -hmm. But again, that can be a misnomer. And that sometimes makes people think that when you lift weights that you don't burn fat, um, which is totally not true. But the, the fast twitch, so like your weight lifting, your heavy lifting muscle fibers they use um they use more of the carbohydrate for their fuel right because um, it's quick exactly right. it's quick it's you know easy access so but anyway don't don't get the idea that you know just doing endurance work is gonna be your key your ticket to like burning more body fat because that's totally not true and we could probably do a whole other podcast on that right so, but anyway, let's, um, why don't we move on to the next one, which is, so number four is muscular strength. All right. So this is the ability to exert force. Like we just, you know, just talked about, uh, usually it's six reps or under, um, that's more of like the power lifters. Um, some bodybuilders do it, but not a lot. Um, it, it mainly is going to be in that weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting range to where they're doing one thing one time as fast or as hard as they possibly can right um, and that's going to be that muscular strength so um, typically what I do I have about three exercises a week so I do usually a squat a bench and a deadlift and that's about it right. I don't use super heavy weight um, all the time um, but basically what you're trying to do is exert as much force within you know six reps or under the rest time is going to be a little bit longer, um, generally speaking. Um, but you know that's typically what I usually do um, during the week. So what do you what do you currently do right now as far as that? So like strength is my main focus right now, and and I think more because I really enjoy lifting heavy stuff that that that's my focus. But so I, have you heard of strong lifts five by five? I've heard of the five by five. Yeah. Okay. So it's basically, um, five repetitions, five sets of, um, a specific set of exercises. And so I think there's five exercises, which are the basic ones. It's squat, deadlift, bench press, overhead press, and row. Did I get all, I think I got all five row. Yeah. Yeah. And the barbell row and it's all using barbell. Okay. Um, and so I'm doing that right now and I absolutely love it. it it's supposed to be three days a week, but my knees said no to heavy squats three days per week. Oh, so you're supposed to do those yeah. Those five exercises so, three days a week. So not all five. So on like you alternate between two workouts. Okay. But every workout has squats. So Monday would be um I it's squat, overhead press, um, and oh gosh. Barbell row. It's squat, overhead press, deadlift. 
And then the next day is squat, row, deadlift, bench press. It's something It's something like that. So how many do you usually do? Two or three or four? It's five. Um, five of the exercises each time? So each time it's either three or it's four. Okay, gotcha. So, but either way, every time I do the workout, so if it's three, if it's, it's set up to be three days a week, every time I would do the workout, it would squat every time. Squat is always the first exercise. So, and then it changes after that. So you might be doing bench press one day and then overhead press, you know, the next time. Got so, it. okay. But the squats all the time. So for me, my knees said no to that. And um, so I think an important point here, which is not necessarily related to what we're talking about, but an important point for people to know about exercise when you, I mean, there's like a thousand free programs on the internet that you can find for lifting, right? Yeah, exactly. If you start a program and you're, you know, just because the program says you do XXX on this day, this day that, you know, modify it based on what your body is telling you. Yeah, um, especially think, if your knees hurt. Yeah. Yes. Not enough people trust their body enough to say, you know what? This is not right for me. And so I love this lifting program, but I just realized that three days of three days a week of heavy squats is just not, you know, it's just not good for my knees. So I backed it off to two days a week where I'm doing the heavy lift program. And that one day a week, I do like the body weight stuff. So I might focus some on core, but then I'm doing like body weight, higher repetition work. And I mean, the knee problems went away and, and I feel great. So like right now, it's all of it's working really well for me. My squat is up to 140 pounds. Um, deadlift is 180. Bench press is 85. And row is 105. That's pretty good. And so, yeah, for a, I'm like, hey, that's pretty good for a girl. I'm happy with that. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you're <laughs> going to be competing anytime soon. So. Well, yeah, no. And I'm not yeah. looking to. But like I said, I for some reason, lifting heavy makes me feel strong and it makes me feel confident. And I think that's why I continue to do it. Okay. So I know, uh, you know, we covered those four. We got the last one, body composition. That's kind of like, uh, everyone doesn't want to talk about that sometimes. Um, <laughs> right. I know. Because we always think about body comp as, it's not BMI. BMI is different. Uh, body composition is going to be percentage of body fat you have on you in relation to your overall weight. Okay. Um, so men, just kind of give you kind of a ballpark. Men shouldn't go be below three to five i would say unless you're competing um as well as women is going to be eight to twelve and like i said all that if you're both within those ranges you're probably competing it's only for two days and you're yeah. done you're usually out of that pretty quickly um, but if you're going to be living in that window it's usually not a good thing it's going to mess with mess with uh your hormone levels it's going to mess with your mood because you're just going to be miserable you're not going to want to maintain that unless you've there, there are instances where there are some people that live at that level all the time. Yeah. And, I mean, there's this German guy. I can't remember his name, but he's, like, the most shredded man. He's like probably, like, 2% body fat. Right. But he's a model. He's probably been doing this for years. He's His body's probably adapted to that. Very lean. Um I think men ha can do that better, though, or, or more easily without as many health effects from maintaining super low body fat. Well, I know, I know it definitely affects your testosterone levels. Well, yeah, I, I know that for men, but like for women, it tends to affect a lot more of their hormonal and bodily processes. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I struggle to help women with is realizing that like when they're looking at the magazines and they see all the media and the women on Instagram and Facebook and you know, whatnot that, um, that those women probably look that way for a very short period of time. Probably a day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, you know, it's not something you can't, you shouldn't be striving to look like that for a long, you know, for the long term. Because, and yeah, and there's one thing you got to realize there's Photoshop. Yeah, well, yeah, right. There's Photoshop, exactly. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of people don't appreciate the amount of work that it actually took for those people, those models to get there. Um, it's not, you know, they might be selling you a 15 minute per day program in the magazine. That is not what that model did no. to get there. 
you know, it's not, she, and no, it, it wasn't just that, you know, that BCAA supplement that she took that, you know, there's so much work involved, years of lifting years of, you know, building that body. And, and then it, they, they maintain it for a couple of days for that photo shoot. And then they have to go back to a healthier level of body fat. And I mean, I can attest firsthand to this, that going too low in body fat, especially for women, is just, it's bad news. So when my body fat percentage was very low and that was below 20%, and you also have to keep in mind that everybody's different. What is a healthy body fat percentage for one person is not necessarily the same for another person. So, but anyway, when mine got below 20%, my menstrual cycle completely stopped. I was sick all the time and I had a bone density test that showed that I was bordering on osteopenia, which is, yeah, which, so basically my bone density was, um, was starting to fall too low and it took over two years for my body to recover. So it was three years before I finally got a regular, a regular menstrual cycle. So I was essentially, my training made me infertile. Oh, wow. Now, when you think about from a biological perspective, what are humans, what is any animal meant to do? Yeah, reproduce. Reproduce. So if you are doing something that is actually making you or causing you to become physically unable to reproduce, I mean, that's that's not normal. No, I would say, yeah. <laughs> you know? Completely opposite of normal, right. yeah. Right. So, I mean... For the general non-athlete population, I kind of wish that, you know, we're, we're talking about body fat percentages and you had mentioned BMI and stuff. I kind of wish doctors would, would use body fat percentage. Yeah, because um, BMI, we'll just use an example, LeBron James yeah. is probably like 30%, 30 on his BMI, but he's, you know, 6'8", 280, and he's shredded. I mean, obviously he's in great shape. Right. So why why would his thing be that high? Right. Exactly. I like to use the example of um the uh, the tennis stars um, uh, Serena Williams, Serena and Venus. Yeah. So their their BMI would put them um, in the obese category. Really. When clearly they're they're not they're 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 athletic, um, they're amazing athletes, and they're they're you know. So anyway. BMI is just not, and weight also, is not a very good measure. It's not very telling about your health. And I think they use it just because it's easy. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Um, I, it is easy. It's easier than doing the caliper measurement and stuff like that. So um, I don't I don't know my exact body fat currently, but so I have this like little AccuMeasure. Have you seen these calipers? Um, I don't think so, no. Okay, so it's a super simple little plastic caliper and it's calibrated to do just a single spot, which is right above your hip bone. Okay. And um, it's actually pretty accurate. So it just does one spot? It just does one spot. Okay. And it's shown to be one of the most accurate calipers for home use on the market. Oh, wow. So anyway, last time I tested it, it was that my body fat was right at 24%, which puts me in the ideal category for my age. And I mean, you know, I can live with that. But I find that body fat percentage is probably a better measure of your health than, you know, like most women are weighing themselves like every day and their weight fluctuates by up to 10 pounds every day. You know, it's yeah. like, well, what is that really telling you? Right. So, um, so TJ, do you know, like if people are listening to this and like, well, how the heck do I get my body fat percentage measured? Well, so there's a couple different ways. Um, I know you can get one of those scales. Um, that's like the, what, the electrical impedance. Oh yeah. Scale. Like the, the Omron. Or, yeah. 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 Basically what it is, you stand on it. It does like a pulse through your body. It's not going to shock you or anything. It's um, <laughs> awesome. But, yeah. Yeah. It just blows your brains out because it's shocking the crap out of your body. But, um, basically it goes through your body and then on the, depending on the speed, it'll give you a read. Now those reads are usually off by what? Three or five. Yeah, yeah, they can be off a little bit depending on if you've drank too much water or you're dehydrated or you had a big meal or, you know, whatever. Yeah, but. and that's fine if you want to use that. That's probably going to be the easiest one. Um, and there's a couple different things, and there's also the skin fold measurements. If there's a gym near you, if you know me personally, um, I know how to do it. It's all yep. done on the right side, correct? 
Yes. Okay, I was forgetting. Um, all done on the right side. It's what I think seven seven points. I, I don't remember how think, many points. I think it's seven points. Um, it's like your it's like your tricep, your hip, your your. I think it depends on the equation like you're using because yeah, some of the equations five, use five or three, seven. five, or seven, or whatever it may be. But either way, like I think what's really telling is you have to take it over time consistently, and yeah. then it's not so much that you know it needs to be accurate. You know, each reading, it's just you want to see over time like what's your body fat doing, so you'll be able to gauge whether your body fat is going up or going down. And I think the easiest one would just get one of those scales that have it. Yeah. Like instead of having someone pinch you, I know most people are uncomfortable with that. Yeah. I, and honestly, as a trainer, I don't like doing it. Yeah. So, I mean, I have that little, like I said, I use that little in-home thing that I've got, um, th- that little pinch test. I mean, I've never, I've never done a pinch test on a client. I usually just do like circumference measurements Yeah. and you know, we, I record like clothing size and stuff like that because I don't want to pinch anybody. There's also like, if you want to measure body fat, depending on if you look around, there's this thing called the bod pod. Um, you go in and you sit in this, like it's shaped like an egg. You sit inside of it and something about like the difference in the air pressure. Is able yeah. To... It's pretty accurate though. It is. Yeah. And then the gold standard is the DEXA scan. Yeah. Those are pretty so, neat. Yeah. But Have you ex- ever had one? No. No? Aren't they expensive? I don't know. So I went down to OSU, Ohio State University, and I had one done. How Um, long ago was that? Well, this was in my triathlon days. And this was at the point in time where I was really feeling sick all the time. And I was trying to like figure it out. I was like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, I'm supposed to be healthier than ever because I'm doing all this cardio and and my body fat is super low. And it was the DEXA scan that actually showed that my bone density was too low. Okay. So it read my body fat and it's basically, it's like an x-ray machine that, you know, looks at, you know, all of your tissues and it, it's the gold standard for body fat reading. Um, and, but it also can measure bone density. So yeah, that's, that's how I decided to go down to OSU and get one. And I want to say at the time, this was, this was probably five years ago. So, um, gosh, I don't really remember what I paid. I want to say it was like 160 bucks or something. Oh, that's pretty cheap. So yeah, I mean, for me, it was worth it. Yeah. I mean, you do it once and then in the next six months, maybe do it again. Yeah, It's not something you're going to do every week anyways. Maybe it's cheaper at OSU because it's a university and they're probably using the data for. Yeah. Whatever. Right. right, Yeah. Right. So. All right. So we really just covered just about everything we needed to cover today. Um, you know, what did we cover, Kelly? Oh my gosh, you're putting me on the spot. Okay, so I got we cut. Co- no, 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 no. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. We've covered five components of physical fitness, including cardiorespiratory endurance, flexibility, muscular endur- endurance, muscular strength, and body composition. And of course, we had all of our personal stories and anecdotes in there. So. I think this was great. And I think at some point what we need to do is we need to do a separate podcast because this one is probably really long. Yeah, we're going to talk about <laughs> ideal We want programs, to talk about, yeah. right, an ideal exercise program. And then I think sometime after that, we're also going to probably talk about like health in regards to food. Yeah. So, but again, that's a whole other separate podcast too. This is the Initiative Project Podcast. And we will see you next time. If you like what you hear, please comment, subscribe, push that like and notification button on YouTube. That would be great. See you next time, guys.